Hello, it's October 8th, 2020, and welcome back to the OmniTalk Fast Five, the podcast where we debate the top headlines in the world of retail. Some of what we say might be right, some of what we say might be wrong, but what matters most is the conversation. The OmniTalk Fast Five is sponsored by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. I am your host, Chris Walton, and today I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Ann Mazinga. Happy to be here. And Emma, the intern. Hi, everyone. Woo, can you guys believe, I don't know, I'm sure you did not know this, but did I was Did you just doing... woo girl already on the podcast? We're like five seconds in, woo. but yes. yeah, all right, all right, all right. right. I can, I can continue, do continue. No, but I was looking at this data, I was looking at the data, I got into a rabbit hole last night. Did you know this is our 247th podcast? And that's relevant that. because? I just thought it's cool, that's okay. it. That's the only reason it's relevant. All right. The reason I was doing it actually is NRF to qualify as media for those listening. Like they, they have all these like ridiculous hurdles that people have to make in order to get a press pass. And the whole thing is just to me is so dumb, especially when the event is going to be virtual. So like, I don't understand what traffic you're trying to control here, NRF and what's your point. But like, I was looking to see how we did it guys and we just blew past it on the podcast side. So I was pretty pumped. And so I just wanted to share that news. We've done almost 250 podcasts. That's crazy. But Hey, bigger question. Prime Day is next week. How are you guys celebrating? Emma, the intern, what you got? Beers, party? What, what do college kids do to celebrate Prime Day? A I'm beer not sure party. Prime Day is really celebrated amongst the college kids. But Solo I've got cups? like my alarm set. I've got a list of things I want, you know. Do you? What's, What's on, on the list? list? Yeah. I got a list too. Uh, new like yoga gloves so that I can hold on to my mat because my hands sweat so much. That's um, a thing? Yoga gloves? Might need some new headphones because my airpods are out here dying yep i think what else is on there a bag of dog food things like that that's fantastic what about you ann well on my list is really exciting things like a new comforter and and also uh some laptop things i mean you know it's the little things that get you excited these days maybe an air fryer i don't know what's on your list chris Pots and pans, my friends. Pots and you're about pans. as exciting as the comforter. I mean, <laughs> with all this cooking at home, like I've just, just we've destroyed our pots and pans. Like we need new pots and pans. There's not enough Teflon. So There's too much stick in my omelet. Let me just say oh that. Oh my god, that sounds like a personal problem. So nobody's put gifts on the list. That's an interesting thing. Nobody's got their like. I'm gonna get that mom and dad brother, sister, far away. Nobody's talking gifts. Are you guys thinking about that at all? No, I haven't thought about other people at all, quite honestly. And oh, no, sure. no, not at this point. It's too early in the season. It's October 13th for crying or 13th for crying out loud. Which it by is. the way, how does prime day fall on 1014? Isn't that mathematically impossible? Oh, but I'm bumped. But hey, what about 1010? Are you guys in on that one? Like, ooh, what day is that? What day is 1010? What is that Saturday? What this thing starts on Saturday? Okay. We're what else are you going to do on Saturday? a Saturday? I guess I didn't think of that before. You trapped it, huh? I think it runs for a while too, but are you guys doing that one, Emma, the intern? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ann? I think I got a football game. Flag football, kids game. Going to be there. Sorry. Yeah, I looked at that. The retailers were announced. I was kind of like, mm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to sit this one out. I also don't think the idea makes sense because Amazon moves the market. Walmart moves the market. The day 
the people are going to shop is just going to be whenever those guys decide it's going to be. So I think, you know, good effort to try to do something like, you know, Alibaba is doing overseas, but just, it's just not the right intent and it's never going to be the right execution because it's just, those guys are the ones that are going to decide what it's going to be. I'm more interested to see what Walmart, Target, Best Buy, the rest of them do on Prime Day. Like to see Apple. Apple's got a big announcement on the 13th too. So seeing what's going to come out from the other major players in the space. Yeah, I think the better idea is not playing to the Rolodex and like thinking actually about like, okay, what do you actually do for like small business Saturday and help out that realm of the world that really needs it more so than just like where's retail going to fall based on what Amazon and Walmart decide to do. All right. Well, we've got some really cool stories for everyone listening today. Today is a really interesting, it's really interesting in the sense it shows you, I think generationally how things are shifting. So I imagine Emma, the intern is going to carry quite the load on this show because no pressure, Emma. no pressure, Emma, these topics are probably the most Gen Z heavy, not even millennial, but Gen Z heavy. I think we've ever had. So hopefully that doesn't scare anyone off, but we know we have a wide generational audience, which except for the last one, we're going to run the gamut this fast five. Yes, you're right. We go, we go Gen Z to healthcare at the end of it. So stick around for that. Um, and of course, none of this would be possible without our sponsors. So our sponsors are fast sensor fast sensor is the first AI powered business intelligence platform to provide provides business owners with ROI focused optimization tools tailored to fit your organization. With FastSensor, you can successfully monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys from customer flow to queue management to the effectiveness of digital signage and promotions. And also Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. If you want to learn more, visit FastSensor.com and takeoff.com. All right, Emma, we talked it up. Emma, the intern, I think you've got the honors today. Why don't you kick us off? Yes, this is my first story number one ever. Just wanted to make that announcement. Oh, dang. All right, Emma, let's do it. (laughs) No pressure. So Gucci and The Real Real have formed a game-changing partnership. And so Gucci announced a multi-pronged partnership with the real world, including a special Gucci e-shop stocked with consigners items, as well as merchandise brought in directly from Gucci. The first thing I have to say is just thank you, Gucci, for finally just jumping in on this industry. It's huge. And like, it's not going anywhere. And all these fashion fashion houses that are so reluctant to get into this, there's things like the first thing I checked out this Gucci e-shop, the first thing for sale is a $2,500 cardigan. So like, you're still selling your products at super high prices because companies like this have such a high resale value, but they're just really, I give them kudos for jumping into an industry, especially run by so many young people that want things to be more sustainable. And when Gucci brings in the products to this shop, like they're able to get rid of inventory that doesn't sell in their stores. It doesn't necessarily go on sale. It's just now secondhand and moved. But yeah, I think this is awesome. And I really hope that the other very reluctant fashion houses jump in on this because like I said, this is not going anywhere. Yeah, it's kind of, the, so you're saying it's the first move of much, many more moves to come, at least you hope so. Yeah, the real, real, we've been on it for a while. I mean, I think since early 2018 and and uh, it's, you're right, Emma, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, it's pretty bougie, you know, at the end of the day. So, that, you know, it's got good brand control. And what 
What do you think here? Yeah, it's bougie right now, but it gets the ball rolling, like Emma's saying. I mean, the the biggest thing is there's benefits on both sides. There's benefits for the designers and brands because they're able to maintain the life cycle of their product um, with and have like the ability to not have to burn things like they were doing to maintain the high value. But they're also getting people in at an entry point that they might not have. They're getting younger audiences involved. Very, you know, a pair of Gucci loafers that you can get for fifty percent of the price um, as a Gen Z person. You know, um, it still has a very big value. Gets them into the brand and gets them the kind of aspirational goals of at one point in time buying those at full retail price and the the customers get the benefit of access to the brand at an earlier entry point plus the authenticity which i think is a big thing that having the brands now be involved helps guarantee and i think we'll continue to see this spread um across other brands and designers and i'm interested to see what starts to happen you know if this is something that nike or some of the other brands that have that cachet can, can maintain. And my God, you guys, they're planting a tree. You can't forget about that part of it. So if nothing else, we're going to have more forests among us, which why not love this concept? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Do you remember that time we, I don't remember who it was. We were talking to some entrepreneur and he was like asking us for help on branding. And he was like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing like some social campaign, you know, like doing a tree or like recycling or some, you know, excuse my language, some S word like that. And we were like, really good. Thanks, dude. Uh, But yeah, I mean, your point about authenticity is great. And I mean, you're right. I mean, that helps the real real side too of things because they spend a lot of money on, on doing that validation. And here, if they've got the direct relationship with Gucci, you know, that's pretty easy and, and pretty straightforward. I think the big question for me is just, you know, like, I think you're right. I mean, it's the first of hopefully many dominoes. I think the question of, you know, how do we continue to see the evolution of how people decide to get out excess inventory, you know, whether it's through these channels, whether it's through the traditional, like, you know, shops down the line at the end of the road, like the TGXs and the Ross stores, depending on what brand you're talking about, you know, it's just going to be how many units can be moved through in this manner, but it gives the brands a heck of a lot more control in terms of how they're going to try to do that. So yeah, it's a cool story, cool story. And the real, real continues to do some, some really cool things. And, you know, Gucci's, you know, as big of a name as anybody. All right. I've got the second story. And this one is about Venmo. On Monday, Venmo launched a new service for select Venmo users, according to Retail Dive. Cardholders can, they basically launched their first credit card. Venmo cardholders can earn anywhere between 1% and 3% cash back on eligible purchases, track their spending, make payments, and split expenses and divide costs with fellow Venmo users. The card also comes with an RFID-enabled chip to facilitate contactless payments at checkout per the company's statement, according to Retail Dive, which, as you know, if you follow our Omnitalk Spotlight series, people will likely not use because it is too European. And why don't we have you go first on this one? Okay, so I'm actually... I need your guys' like insight on this because to me, this is really fascinating. So now if I am going out, they keep talking about like the pitch here is like, well, when you're at a restaurant, how inconvenient is it for everybody to have to throw down their credit cards and there's contact on the credit cards. And now you can just have one friend pay for it and Venmo every have all the other friends Venmo. So basically what this is telling me, correct me if I'm wrong. If I, I'm uh, in an industry, I'm unbanked and I'm a cash earner only. I can go to a restaurant with my friends one time. They all pay me 
via Venmo. And now I have a couple hundred bucks on my Venmo account and I pay cash for the dinner. So now with that Venmo credit card that I potentially have, I can go around and I can just spend that now at any retailer that I want. I could, I don't have to have cash. So basically I can stay unbanked and uh, avert potential taxes and other types of things if I'm selling things or getting money from people for as long as I want and I just keep going. Is that right? Am I understanding this correct? Emma, the intern, I think you're the one best best equipped to weigh in. We'll keep the taxes side of this out because that sounds super shady. I don't know where Ant's head's going, but- I mean, more, I can't help but ask the question. It, like, what's going to happen? Yeah, but it's the question. You know, hey, but, but in terms of how Ant's, in terms of what Ant's, you know, at its core, what Ant's saying, right, Emma, that's, how do you interpret that? Like, basically, it's a credit card that you can use anywhere to facilitate those types of things. It's, I mean, I'm like hoping- What's that? I was going to say, I'm hoping that in order to get the Venmo credit, you have to have some kind of established like bank connected to Venmo, right. like for your debit account. I'm hoping that that's so they can like prove that you are not doing what Anne is describing. But I'm honestly not sure that's a good point. I mean, yeah. all you need to pay at CVS right now is the app. So one dinner and like, I've got everything I need. I don't know. I just think it's, it's fascinating to me to watch how this is going to continue to evolve. It's not just about the credit card, I think itself, but about what you're, what you're enabling for peer to peer payment. Yeah. Although I think it is about, I mean, I think this is a, here's the, here's the funny thing where I thought you were going to go in the beginning was, it was kind of like, if I'm already using Venmo, why the hell would I want this? Right? Like why would I, and that's what I was curious what Emma was going to say to you. Like, why the hell do I want a card? Right? Like I, I don't, like I already know how to use Venmo and they already have the, you can get CBS. it in five colors, Chris. Well, right. You can get, yes, you can make the card in five colors. I forgot to say that, but I think what this is, is really, it's a play that Venmo's not in at retailers. And so this gets you into retailers and it becomes the preferred payment rate method for, let's say whoever a Venmo user is likely Gen Z, the unbanked, to go into retail and start being able to use that as the payment method. I mean, I think that's fundamentally what we're talking about here. And Emma, the intern, like I have to think that's got to be attractive for a lot of people because it essentially sets up that type of relationship with the account they have or the money they have in Venmo. Well, what I first thought that they were going to do, well, as I was reading this, I was like, awesome. They're making a line of credit that doesn't involve a card because I've been like harping on it. I don't want your card. I just want like the money because it's already invisible money. I just want it to not have to be connected to a physical thing. And I thought they were going to like merge more with PayPal because you can get a line of PayPal credit without the card. And I use that. So I thought they were just going to integrate kind of that into Venmo. So I am a little disappointed that they are using a physical card. Yeah, you're, you're not going to love that, right? But, but at least you can use it in more, pl- you can use Venmo in more, pl- like are you excited about using Venmo in more places? Yes, definitely. That what it could facilitate that way. Yeah. And they're talking about predi- using uh, different predictive uh, technologies to figure out what cashback you get. So if you're spending heavily in restaurants, you're spending heavily in apparel or clothing or travel, then they they each month allocate where your cashback is going. So I I mean, there's some there's some nuance to it that's definitely appealing. Um, but, That's a great point because you don't know that now, right? Like now right. You're, just, you're at dinner, you're paying each other, and then someone's paying the 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 restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Versus like now you're actually being able to close that loop which is probably pretty, yeah, that's probably pretty important. And probably great for them from a selling standpoint too to say, hey, CVS is doing this. Why don't you do this too? Because everyone's already doing it in your restaurant or your shop. So I like it. I like it. I don't know where your ne- the nefarious nature of Ann is going on that one, but we'll come back to that one at a later date. <laughs> 
All right, Emma, you're back many up, more, right? Many more hours. <laughs> I am back up. Dan's <laughs> so. rabbit holes are different from mine. Mine are about podcasts. Hers are about taxes. <laughs> All right, so Instagram is testing more shopping features, and this time they're trying to go head-to-head with TikTok. So they're going to start testing shopping through their short-form video feature reels later this year, which is pretty much the equivalent to TikTok. And then they're also going to add shopping to Instagram TV where users can watch longer videos starting Monday. And then creators and brands will be able to add shopping tags to their posts so users can tap on an item and shop either through the Instagram app or retailer's site. And so I love this, of course. I'm not actually that excited about the Reels thing because I think TikTok is going to get on that real fast and it'll pretty much be an equivalent experience. I am more excited, though, about adding the shopping features, especially if you can stay in the app to make a purchase through Instagram TV, because those longer form videos give you way more information than you can get from a TikTok. And then that also goes head to head with YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I need to watch a YouTube video when I can just watch something through Instagram? Because I already use Instagram more than YouTube. That's what I'm really excited for. And like I said, especially if you can keep everything in the Instagram app, like you have me sold on how I'm going to be shopping. Yeah, Anne, are you are you in alignment with uh, Emma, the intern here? For sure. I mean, I love it. I think what this you basically indicated for me is that live shopping has finally reached the United States, and now that it's going to be on Instagram um, and probably Facebook to come soon, and all the other extensions of those platforms that um, this is really going to hit scale in the United States. It's given us the opportunity to do that. And like Emma, you know, Emma and I love a good live stream. Like who doesn't love that ever since QVC? I mean, you just, it's some, there's something compelling about like seeing somebody like show it off and get you excited. And then, you know, we don't have scarcity involved in this yet, but I mean, I think like once you start to get into some of these, these content creators and influencers being able to even add that element of it, of fun into it, or like doing specific drops on content in this way, like that's going to be pretty incredible. So yes, I love it. And, you know, just continues this idea of these content creators as retailers and full steam ahead 2020 and beyond. Yeah. You know how I can tell you like it for those that listen to this, this podcast a lot. And remember this is our 247th episode. (laughs) When Anne says she, when Anne likes something, there's a different emphasis on the word love. It's like with a really long U. It's kind of funny. Like, like I, but I, she, she definitely like dropped. That? Yeah, she dropped it there. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, I don't have much to say on this. I already feel like the old man. I feel like Clint Eastwood and Grant Torino saying, "Get off my lawn." These stories are so Gen Z. But like, yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, the big question for me here is, you know, TikTok's got this just big nasty thing going on with it. It's going to be you know, possibly rerun by, you know, other, you know, pretty big companies. And this almost to me feels a little bit like Facebook, uh, Snapchat 2.0, right. Where, you know, you start getting Instagram stories and that starts doing really well comparatively. And so like, are we about to see the same thing here in terms of what's going to take place? Cause I, you guys said it, both of you said it, like if I can stay in Instagram, and do all of this, that's my preferred way of doing it versus, you know, having to go to another platform to do it. And I think, I think that's, that's pretty valuable. As long as we don't get something there, as long as we don't get to the point of like, you know, this gets where we think of Instagram, at least for me as like the, the, the 
digital equivalent of walking through the mall. Like I'm a little worried about the kiosk people selling the like gold face masks coming at you. And like, how do we avoid getting to that end of it? Because you are opening up the platform, not just to influencers, but there's also going to be that kind of content too. So hoping that we can stay away from that or that the algorithms will know me well enough to know that I don't want that, you know, being thrown in my face or in my Instagram feed in this. Yeah. But I was talking about that with somebody this morning on some other line of thought, but yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, that's the best personalization engine in the world. So if you're not engaging with that content, hopefully they can figure out, you know, how in the heck, you know, not to serve that up, but I don't know. Am I any last points here? I don't think so. I think you guys pretty much covered everything. Covered it all. Emma's already, Emma's already buying things off of Instagram reels. So we're moving on. (laughs) She's moving. She's shaking. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've got story number four because, Anne, for those listening, wanted to go last today. So that's why Emma and I are doing all the stories up front, but this one is cool and literally so because the company cooler screens, according to TechCrunch, the company Cooler Screens, which uses interactive digital displays to replace the glass door in store cooler aisles, is anou- has announced that it has raised more than $80 million in Series C funding. In total, the company has raised over $100 million, and the latest round comes from, comes from Verizon Ventures, Microsoft's M12 fund, Silicon Valley Bank, and many others. And the company was, co- was founded and is run by their CEO, Arsen Avakian, who previously was the founder and CEO of Argo T. I think this one is interesting. Uh, Ann and I have seen this one on the trade show floor quite a few times. And oh my God, damn, has it grown a lot. <laughs> to give you more background, here's essentially how it works. If you read the, if you read the TechCrunch article, basically it's a digital screen on the cooler. You've probably seen some of, the, some of these for those listening, you know, in like malls or airports, you know, on the front of a vending machine. It's similar to that in terms of a digital front face. And basically, if you look at the article, they got a picture where somebody's standing in front of a frozen cooler at what looks like a convenience store, and they have a display of frozen Stouffer's meals, similar to what you'd find like on an e-commerce website almost. And then right next to it, there's like a full bottle of Coke on display, which I imagine if you walk up to it or around it, when you get close enough, it'll shift to show you like all the soft drinks available. This broke our list because $80 million is nothing to sneeze at. That is a ton of money. And you've seen this, you've seen it live on the trade floor. What do you think here? I was a little surprised. I got to be honest. I was like 80 million. Like now what is going on? I mean, yes, you still have convenience stores. If you're going to pilot this anywhere, the convenience stores make sense because people are still going into those spaces and there's a lot of money in shopper marketing. I mean, they're claiming that people are two to 10 times more likely to buy something from one of these cooler screens, according to the, to cooler screens. And they're already in 50 Walgreens stores and planning to expand to two, two, I think thousand more stores. 2,500. Yeah. 2,500 more stores. Yeah. Yeah. But what I plan, that's, that's also kind of one of those nebulous things too. You're only in 50 and you're planning to go to 2,500. So I'm always, "Mm, okay. For sure. Yeah. I think what I did some digging into and what I think is maybe the coolest part about this is that you can also do digital payment from the cooler screens, Mm. which that to me is like, okay, if that's what the unlock is here, that's getting the sudden surge in funding, then that makes sense to me. As we start to think about where, you know, the in-store in, in-store c-store experience is going like that that's a benefit yes if you're going to say you were going to get 
Mountain Dew, but now here's Squirt Mellow Yellow. What's the competitor to Mountain Dew these days? Mellow Yellow, uh, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Don't but know. here's Mellow Yellow for 50 cents off, and you can buy it right here and transact and be done. I mean, I think that could that could convince me to go one way or another. Maybe. I'm not with you on that no? one. Let's, no, let's debate. I'm not with you on that one because I think we're forgetting the overall user experience design of how that's set up. Like, let's assume that's at a Walgreens. Like, well, that's just basically you're just putting a vending machine in a store. So then I've got a disjointed me- method of payment for what's inside that cooler versus how I shop the whole rest of the store. So that part's a little confusing to me. I could see how that would work in certain environments, right? But um, if you're just going in for the cola and the water, like, isn't that more yeah, convenient? Yeah, but operationally, I think that, but I think operationally, that's hard to manage because you're asking them to, to, you know, you're asking the people managing that operation to do two different things. I think it's, 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 it's tricky. I don't, I don't think that's the selling point for me. I think the selling point is more, you know, you're able to present this product in a different way. You're able, able to do point of purchase advertising in a different way digitally, which people spend a ton of money on shelf advertisements and cooler advertising has always been tough because there's not much you can do with those screens relative to what you can do on a shelf, you know, and then you can in real time, I think, move around the amount of inventory and what showed depending on what your customers like per location. You know, so there's there's some real advantages there. Um, I think the tricky part for me, though, is it, it depends on the size of the operation. Like when the operation is fairly small, like a Walgreens cooler setup or maybe a convenience store cooler setup, that can work pretty well. When you start talking grocery, though, that's very that's a very different experience. Like then you're starting to open the doors. Things have to be in the right place. They've got to be restocked. You know, the shelving's got to be done right. Retailers are probably doing that somewhat themselves versus the third party services doing direct store deliveries to that. So it gets it gets really complicated. So there could be a, but there could, with all that said, I think there could be a pretty big avenue here for small installations of coolers uh, to certain types of industries. At least that's how I think about it. Emma, any final thoughts here? I'm kind of on the same page as Anne. Like this is really, but when I'm using a vending machine, all I care about is that I can just tap my phone to it. Yeah. Like the vending machine in my apartment building does Apple pay. It's amazing. I've never like used vending machines in my life, but I use this stupid one every day to get a drink. Cause I can just Apple pay it. And so I think, so I guess what you're saying is like in those, op- I guess you guys got me. So what you're saying is like in those operations, just convert the coolers to vending machines. Yeah, I just want the yeah. like product and I just want to tap my phone to it yeah. and leave. Keep it behind a locked door. I mean, vending machines then are a very viable Everybody business. else doesn't want to pay that way. That's risky. Um, go ahead, Ann. Sorry. I was just giving you a hard time. I said What'd vending machines. Vending machines have been a very viable business for many years. Like what's wrong with the vending machine? No, I think you're right. I think if that's what you're saying, like that could work for people for sure. That's personalized. You, have to be, you have to be cautious generationally though. Like not everyone's going to want to shop and get eggs from, which is what's in Walgreens near mine, eggs and cheese and Gatorade that way, right? So you just got to be careful that way. So I think it's more, to me, it's still more about the other stuff. But all right, Anne. Let's talk about the other shoppers. Yeah, let's talk about the other uh, generation of shoppers that goes to Walgreens. And that is the 65 plus generation. We've got a big announcement, you guys, from Walmart this week. Walmart is introducing insurance services. So Insurance Services LLC uh, is a licensed insurance brokerage that will help people enrolling in insurance plans. Now, they're starting this pilot with Medicare programs. So that's individuals who are 65 and older. And they will begin selling these insurance plans during this year's annual enrollment period from October 15th through December 7th. Guys, 
this is a big deal. And I think that this is going to really be the kickoff to us seeing Walmart, Amazon, some other potentially major players, maybe in retail, maybe in other industries, start to tap into the disruption of the healthcare industry. Now, we know Walmart and Amazon each have quite a few employees. I mean, Walmart alone has 2.2 million uh, associates worldwide. Um, Amazon, you know, closely getting to that number. Um, And you have the ability for these companies now to start to offer not just their employees these healthcare services, but also we start to talk about offering these services, which we've talked about before on podcasts, to Walmart Plus members, to Prime members, and really not needing that insurance carrier anymore for these companies to be able to start to develop their own insurance programs, their own insurance uh, companies, and what that means for the future of healthcare in our country. I think it's a pretty big deal. What about you guys? Yeah, I think this is a huge deal. I mean, I, we've talked about this. I mean, I think we first got word of this story. I think we might've talked about it on a pot on this one, on one of our fast five podcasts, probably back in early part of the summer, there were starting to be rumors about this. I think it's huge. I mean, you know, you can talk about grocery costs and all that kind of thing. That stuff matters. But what kills people, honestly, at the end of the day, from a budget perspective is unexpected healthcare costs. And so- As you said, as Amazon and Walmart can figure out how to play into this game and help people, I mean, it's massive. I mean, I had some, like the other day, like, let's just put it this way. I ate some bad lettuce, had to get a test, 500 bucks. And you're like, yeah. what? Right. You know, like this stuff matters. It fundamentally matters. And so that's where if you're sleeping, you said it, Ann, but if you're sleeping on Walmart Plus in turn, and Amazon Prime in terms of where those things are eventually going in this regard and how compact competitive that's going to be. I mean, you guys just talked about how much time you want to spend on Instagram versus TikTok. If you can do that all and coordinate all that with the efficiency that you might be able to through like a Walmart app or an Amazon app, like hell yes, people are going to do that. They're going to want it really, really badly. So there's a lot of, in my opinion here, pent up demand for something like this too. I know, Emma, how do you think about it though? Put your final Gen Z perspective on all this, if you would, please, Emma, the intern. Well, I actually thought that when I read this and like back when we talked about it in the summer, like Walmart was literally making their own insurance, not like just selling Medicare and things like that. Like I thought Walmart and Amazon were like, I don't know how you make your own insurance. I thought that that's what they were going for. However, if you can get rid of like insurance salespeople from all of these insurance companies that kind of dominate the market, I think that that's awesome. And like making insurance more accessible to people based on where you can get it is awesome. Yeah. Even that's nebulous to your point. As small business owners, I would say that's a nebulous process. I can remember Anne and I going through that too. And, and there's a lot of activity in a startup buddy of mine from Stanford, company Decent, that's using blockchain to figure out how to reimagine health insurance plans. He's doing really great. Just got some new funding to him too. So congratulations, Nick Stillman. Congratulations on that. But so how yeah. long until we have the Bezos day one hospital? Anyway? <laughs> and what, and are you comfortable going there for your healthcare? That's the worst name for a hospital, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe the, the than, like Cedar Sinai plus. Than last day, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess it's terrible. All right. On that note, put a plus on it and I'll, I'll line up. I'll, I'll buy that insurance policy. For sure. Yeah. On that note, that wraps us up for the week. We'll get out of here on that one. A big happy birthday to Matt Damon. Holy cow. And I'm not even sure Emma the intern knows who that is, but he's 50 today. Anne. Oh my God. Chris, oh. I heard that and I was like, 
Chris is going to talk about Matt Damon's birthday. Chris, you're like the Matt Damon of the retail world. So I I think that that. this is a fitting birthday, exciting moment to announce today. Yes, Matt Damon is 50 and he looks good. He still looks good. He still looks good. I love Matt Damon. Oh, you love you some Matt Damon. That's good to know. All right. You know who else is celebrating birthday? Chevy Chase, Crocodile Dundee. And my, one of my first childhood crushes, this one's going to blow you guys away, Stephanie Zimbalist of Remington Steel. Yeah, everybody knows who that is. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Zimbalist could have been like from uh, Tempe, Arizona, and she was in your second grade class. We have no idea. But oh, she was on great. Remington Steel with Pierce Brosnan back in the day. That's how he got famous. Look it up. Her father was a famous actor. I think Emma's face says it best. No one knows who that is uh, no one cares we've lost everyone at this point in the podcast but that's what this show is all about if you don't like this you don't get the show <laughs> all right remember if you can only read read or listen to one retail blog in the business make it omni talk our fast five podcast is the quickest fastest rundown of all the week's top news and our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you all within the preview pane of your inbox you can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And, of course, as always, be careful out there.